You know I'm back, like I never left. I never left. Another sprint, another step, another step, another day, another breath. Another breath. Been chasing dreams, but I never slept. I never slept. I got a new attitude that at least on life is a piece of mine. Seeking to find I can sleep when I die. Want a piece of the pie, got the keys to the ride and shit. I'm straight. Hey, what's up, everyone? Dustin Gruss, the greatness facilitator here with the SU2G podcast. As you know, my goal with this podcast is to interview inspiring people who do inspiring work or live inspiring lives so that we may learn from them the way they achieve their greatness and how we can apply it to our lives. Today's guest is certainly one of those people as she is a mother and entrepreneur who works to help people in probably the most stressful times they can go through in life, job transition. Chris McGuigan is Cleveland's top resume writer, a career management coach, and she just earned her additional credentials as a board certified coach and is the president of Professional Courage. Chris, welcome to the SU2G podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. How's everything going today? Doing well. You know, the sun is shining in Cleveland, so we must be having a great day. (laughs) <laughs> I hear that. It's still cold, but, you know, that sun's out and you don't get that a whole lot in Cleveland in the winter. So we'll take it. Um, again, congrats on your newest credentials. How did that newest certification come about? Thank you so much. Um, so I actually had attended Case Western Reserve, their weatherhead school to receive my MBA. So when it came time to this decades ago. And when it came time to boost my coaching credentials, I had already had a career coaching credential that was career specific, but I wanted something that spoke more to the corporate level. So as I looked at different programs that were certified and had global recognition, the program that was being offered through CASE would allow me to not only get that global recognition, but also return to my alma mater and, and take some courses at Weatherhead through their executive school. So I made the decision to do it there. Awesome. Now, you, as I mentioned, you go through, um, you help people with that transition. They're maybe tired of their current job and they're looking to do something else. How does uh, one go about, what made you get that credential, that certification to work more in the corporate world, knowing that, you know, your job is in the past always been to help people find new jobs rather than staying in the current job they're unhappy with? Sure. So, uh, well, two pieces. Number one, a lot of my work is just around supporting people who want career advancement. So sometimes that's individuals who are unemployed and need to actively seek a transition. But other times those are individuals that are gainfully employed and they're just may not be completely satisfied or fulfilled in their current job or just looking to take that next step that, you know, they want to understand how to move through the ranks. And so as I explore in that space, it puts me in touch with a lot of individuals who are currently working in a corporate atmosphere And the more that my services were sought after here in the Cleveland marketplace, the more the companies themselves started to see my name come up several times as an individual who was helping their employees. And they started to come to me and ask about what type of corporate level programs that I could offer. Um, It also just um, offers a different type of credential than what I already had. My prior credential was very specific on um, serving individuals who are actively in transition, so unemployed, need to become employed. And now I really have that ongoing credential that supports individuals who are looking for all types of advancement and transition. 
Awesome. Um, now let's take a look back at your upbringing. What did that look like? And do you feel it contributed to your career decisions now? Wow. Um, I think everyone's upbringing, you know, your history always has something to do with, with what you're doing in the future. So I was actually born and raised here in Cleveland. I grew up in Parma, Ohio. I was the youngest of three children. And um, you had, I, I would guess, pretty, pretty standard suburban childhood. You know, I think one of the things that my parents were exceptional at was really just giving us exposure to everything, right? So I can distinctly remember going with my mom to see the ballet and then also going with my mom to see like a WWF show, right? When I was, when I was younger, right? So they really just, it was, if you want to play an instrument, play an instrument. If you want to play sports, play sports. If you want to, I can ride a unicycle because I learned how to ride a unicycle when I was younger. So if there was something that we as kids expressed interest in, my parents used whatever resources or connections they had to try to give us more increased exposure to that item so we could determine if it was something we wanted to continue to pursue. So it really instilled at a young age this idea that you, know, you can be anything that you want to be. You just have to put your best foot forward. As long as you're giving it your all, then they're going to support you and be really proud of you no matter what that ends up looking like. And um, my brother, sister, and I have very different career paths that we've taken, but it's very clear that in our adult age, our parents are equally proud of all of us, despite the fact that those are, again, are different paths because we each bring our best foot forward into uh, whatever that journey looks like. All right. Follow-up question. When's the last time you rode a unicycle? <laughs> that is a wonderful follow-up question. Um, admittedly, it was probably, we have, uh, we have, uh, my husband and I like to throw a lot of parties and we have an annual clam bake at our house every year where sometimes later in the evening, things get a little <laughs> dicey. And I believe that I was actually dared to get up cause I have the unicycle sitting in my garage. I believe that some party goers sort of dared me to get on top of it and, and show them that this was a real thing instead of just a, um, a, you know, a, a just a symbol in the middle of my garage. So I think it was late at night after a party when I had probably a couple of drinks and someone dared me to show them that it could actually happen. Well, I now know that Leanne and I left the clamp like too early last year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you got to stay late to see all the good stuff. All right. I'll keep that in mind for this year. Right. <laughs> um, now, how did you go about getting into the field that you're in? Was it an idea all along or did it come about as a result of your own need or desire to change your job or transition into a different job? Neither, ironically. Um, so my path was, I would say, quite different than a lot of individuals who do what I do and a lot of individuals who decide to become on entrepreneurs. I'm what I call an accidental entrepreneur. I really had no aspiration to ever own my own business. I didn't think it would be something I was interested in. It sort of happened by default because at a certain point in my life, I discovered that the best and fastest way for me to be successful doing what I felt I was called to do was to start my own business to get it going. So um, more specifically, when I was in my mid-20s, I had sort of a quarter-life crisis. And I, at the time, was working in project management in a healthcare environment and sort of stood back thinking like, what do I really want to do with my life? And how far do I want to take this career? And what are some of my professional goals? So on and so forth. And really kind of walked myself through this entire career, self-directed career exploration process, right? Like I did a skills assessment and I evaluated all of the positions I had been in in my short career up until that point and 
really kind of did a lot of discovery and research and networking. And at that point, had really identified that I had a true passion for doing just that, which was to walk through the process itself and figure out exactly how it is you determine, you know, the never ending question of what do I want to be when I grow up? And so at that time, which was over a decade ago, I made the decision that I really wanted to start this business and consider pursuing, um, you know, career management support and, you know, being a trusted advisor to others as a sort of a side hustle. But very quickly, life happened. So I, I did find the bit, found the business at that time, but you know, life happened. I got married. I had kids. I got divorced. You know, got married again. All sorts of things started going on. And in the meantime, over that decade, I continued to follow the corporate carrot. So I was still working in healthcare, and they kept giving me better jobs and better offices and more people that I could manage and inspire as part of my team, which I loved to do. So I just kind of kept towing the line. And then about five years ago, I stood back and and it was time to think about whether or not I was ready to make another transition or if I wanted to stay where I was. And suddenly it occurred to me that it had been a decade since I figured out what I was truly meant to be. And I was doing very little about that. You know, I was I was ready to tell all of my colleagues and friends and my employees, hey, you've got to follow your passion and go after what you were really meant to do. But there I was returning to my safe little office every Monday morning with my safe paycheck. And so I decided that, you know, it's enough is enough and it's time for me to really go for it. So uh, because my personal life had certainly settled back down and my kids were at an age where they could, um, you know, use the restroom on their own and prepare their you know breakfast on their own and they weren't as reliant upon me and I had a different support system in the household, it was time to sort of return back to my dreams. So I picked it up and um, started it again from there. And it's been an amazing adventure ever since. Wow, that's an awesome story. And I definitely see some parallels with you and I in that sense. When I became a personal trainer, it was always my passion to pair it with a form of life coaching. And same thing was I started out the personal training. And fortunately enough, I'm good at what I do, good at motivating my clients, helping them get to their goals as far as their fitness goes. But my own uh, passion of really helping see people succeed and find the happiest version of themselves in regards to the rest of their life kind of has gotten put on pause for the most part. And, you know, it's a struggle sometimes to get back to that stuff you're passionate about, unless you really make that conscious effort to do it because, you know, doubt starts to creep in and, and frustration takes hold of you and you're not making those changes yourself. And when you finally start, putting that one foot forward, as you said earlier and stuff and making your best step forward, then you could really start to see those changes happen. So uh, hearing your story definitely is inspirational for me right now. So I hope definitely hope that it's uh, inspiration for others as they listen to it, because, you know, absolutely, if you put your best foot forward and keep continuing to follow your passion, you will find what you're meant to do and don't relent till you get there. Absolutely. And I'm a big believer in, you know, start before you're ready. Don't prepare, just get going. Right. And so I think the more that we continue to put ourselves out there, you're doing this podcast, you're doing other things to keep moving in that direction. The universe will continue to kind of come behind and and boost you forward. And when it's time to make uh, perhaps a larger decision or a different shift altogether, I think it it lets you know when it's time to do that as well. So definitely just kind of have to keep being steady about following it and doing your best and it will come forward when it's time. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, what's your favorite part about your job? Uh, because I got to imagine looking over thousands of resumes probably doesn't <laughs> sound that appealing to many people. 
See, oh, gosh, there's so many great answers to that question. So first of all, it, you know, that is a that is one of my unique skill set is that I actually really love writing resumes. And while I wouldn't say that's my favorite part of the job, um, it definitely is a topic that I get really energized by. And I love giving presentations and sharing with others. And, um, you know, and it's something that comes very natural to me based on the, you know, the training that I've had and being able to constructively share criticism with another and get them to understand the evidence behind that criticism. So I do enjoy looking at resumes. I think I'm probably one of the few people in the world that do. Um, but I would say, you know, what my favorite part is really the opportunity to witness other people realize their potential. So I've had some really, whether it is just delivering a resume to someone who is astounded by what they see on that paper. And I didn't make that up. You know, that's information they provided to me. And together with my team, we put that together into a, a great strong document for them. And and seeing people's just physical reactions, sort of their shoulders go back and their chin be held higher as a result of seeing the true accomplishments they have had, but never really looked at as accomplishments on paper. And then that becomes stronger when I have a coaching relationship with someone. And so I'm working with them on an ongoing basis to get to see them really step into that potential and understand the value that they bring and embrace it more and more every day. And then when I get to speak on stage, it just gets amplified because now I can watch an entire room kind of come into their moment and and embrace a particular experience or concept we may be talking to at that point in time and kind of watch that light come on, knowing or trusting that they're going to leave the room and then apply that in their life, whether it be personal or professional, and then see change as a result of it. So getting to witness and help to facilitate that change is really just an extraordinary gift. There you go. The facilitate word. Love it. Love it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, you know, again, just seeing parallels for, for me, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, they gave you all the information and you just put it in this form that, it's like amazing to them. Like, whoa, how'd you do that? For me, uh, one of my biggest tools that I use for my uh, facilitating clients or my life coaching clients is a vision statement. They give me all of their um, dreams. What what would be a number ten on in their life as far as their relationships with their family, their job, what they would wake up to every day? And I take that and I form it, formulate into it like a short little one day story for them and delivering that to them and, and seeing their actions, seeing the tears or even I've done them over the phone and hearing people like kind of sobbing on the phone because you're describing the perfect life to them, but you're describing in a way that sounds so real to them and you're able to give it to them. And that's something they can look at and read and see every day. And it's just the power of transformation right there. And, and the motivation it gives them is just an excellent tool. So I, again, another parallel I see there with you. Oh, absolutely. What a brilliant gift that you're able to give. <clears throat> Helps that I'm a good writer too. So. <laughs> absolutely. Um, now, without naming any names, are, are there any client success stories that stick out in your mind or perhaps on the other side, an atrocious resume and, <laughs> and their reluctance to change their resume? Um, fortunately, I'm a pretty persuasive person, so I don't have too many issues with the reluctance to change their resume. Again, part of my business model or my approach to life is to have evidence-based reasons. So if you want to, you know, I can, I can link you to the research that shows why I'm suggesting this change. If it's still not something you want to do, then, you know, God bless you, go on and, and, you know, proceed the way that you are. But as a coach, I'm sure you've 
uh, done some form of this or another, you know, I like to, I like to pull the Dr. Phil, which is like, so how's that working for you? <laughs> so someone will tell, you know, call me and I've been on the job search for nine months. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not getting any interviews. My resume isn't getting through the applicant tracking software. And then I provide them with some suggestions, evidence-based suggestions on what they can do to improve. And when they start to resist that, I'm like, so tell me again, how is your current resume working? <laughs> um, but nonetheless, so I don't have too many stories about people being resistant to the resume, but in terms of the coaching side of things, definitely. I mean, there's so many incredible people from a lot of walks of life that I get to encounter. One individual who, who stands out to me, uh, I work with a graphic designer who was out of the state of Ohio. And she was in the middle of doing a lot of, you know, corporate work and just was really wasn't feeling kind of being part of this large, you know, a cog in this larger system and just didn't have a lot of fulfillment in her everyday life. She was also looking for some more flexibility to be there for her family and her children. Her husband was in the military and didn't have the level of um, didn't have that flexibility. And so we, you know, walked kind of down this journey and in the similar process that I do with my clients all the time, if they're exploring as we talk about their values and then how those values could potentially translate into their career and doing a bit of research and certainly mindset and eliminating any roadblocks. And ultimately this individual made the decision to kind of quit her job and start her own business. She owns a graphic design firm. She's actually a graphic designer that we work with at Professional Courage very often. And just watching her, and then I had the opportunity to kind of coach her through her building of her business. And she's been up and running now for about a year and a half and watching the progress from the day that she started and still had a lot of fears around everything and wasn't quite sure of her value to now see her kind of demanding a top, you know, top value from the marketplace and um, really stepping into that value and being able to be confidently articulating it to others so that they want to buy her services regardless of that price point, is, is just really a cool experience to watch her kind of um, come forward into this into this world and, and life that she didn't really anticipate or think that it was possible for her. And then, you know, I have a lot of, um, I work with some different Fortune 500 companies on helping their managers be better at navigating employee conversations. So there's a lot of energy in the marketplace right now about um, you know, what is it that we're doing for the future, the next generation, and how we expect them to take over the workforce for baby boomers, but we haven't really equipped them to do so. So when I have the opportunity to work with managers or senior level executives so that they can properly career coach their employees and kind of give them the tools to keep having these, it really creates this, you know, this really interesting sort of um, reciprocal, you know, and, and cyclical, quite frankly, process where those managers are teaching other managers or teaching other managers, and then it kind of all circles back around. So I would say, you know, either getting to see people who have a long, you know, a far reaching impact on others, and then getting to see individuals who really make a massive transformation on their own are probably those stories that stick out to me most. Wow, that's awesome. And you're saying we shouldn't expect to find that graphic artist on Fiverr at all. She's probably good. Right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that is not a place that you would see her. No, but you could, you know, a lot of the materials that, that I create and, and put out there are created by her. She does an amazing job. Awesome. I, I love your guys' logo with the, the lion and things. Fantastic. You. Now I'm sure it's hard to narrow it down, but if you could give us the, the most important tip or tips for someone thinking of transitioning or getting a new job. Ah, uh. I'm going to say, and this is a tip for life, right? You have to know where you're going before you try to get there. 
the biggest barrier that I see, you know, uh, I work with a lot of individuals who come to me, you know, prospective clients come to me and they want to talk about their resume. And the first question I'm going to ask them is, well, tell me what type of positions you're targeting. And there is a pretty large group of people who can't answer that question. And we are long past the days of a resume simply being sort of this chronological listing of the things that you have done. Your resume, your LinkedIn, your verbal branding, those are marketing tools. And you cannot market effectively to someone unless you know who your audience is and you're speaking to that audience. So individuals who want the perfect resume, but they want me to create them as a jack of all trades who can do six different jobs, it can't be done. In today's marketplace, you won't be successful. Um, a, a lot of that has to do with just the filters and databases that HR departments are bringing all these documents through. But it also has to do with how do you effectively walk into a, a room of people that you may professionally network with and not be able to tell them what you want, but expect them to be able to help you get there, right? And so uh, for, for a lot of reasons, at a lot of steps in the process, I would say that it's always very important to have a sense of where it is you're trying to go before you want to get there. And if you're not sure about what that next target looks like, then definitely, you know, uh, either self-directed exploration or working with a coach, or there's a lot of great books out there that can guide you through that process. Invest some time up front in figuring out what that right answer for you is, and then try to brand and market yourself to do it. But doing it in the reverse, which many people do, just creates a lot of stress. And you just, I mean, you're literally just running in circles because you're not, a manager doesn't want someone who's a jack of all trades. They want someone who knows that they can do this job very, very well, and they know why. And that's hard to articulate for 50 different jobs. Awesome. And that reminds me of a Chinese proverb I had posted on my Instagram not too long ago. It's to chop a tree quickly, spend twice the time sharpening your axe. Mm. And yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, so as we mentioned, you're a mother and you and your family have an incredible holiday tradition. Why don't you share with us a little bit about that and some experiences you've had with that and the reactions you've gotten from people? Sure. So uh, every year in the month of December, my children and I, my husband, uh, and we've kind of spread it out to the community, as you mentioned, uh, participate in acts of kindness. So this came, um, uh, it came from a, from a very unique place in my life. So uh, earlier, based on some of the personal transitions that I talked about, I was at a point in my life at, you know, at one time when things just seemed very dark and, um, as, as with a lot of the career questions and coaching questions I ask people, I sort of, you know, want to make sure that people feel empowered and myself in that moment feel empowered to, um, you know, what can you control inside of this situation? And for me, it was trying to understand how I could teach my children that you can bring light into your own life, even if you're in a very dark place, like you're in charge of bringing that light. And when it first started, my goodness, Claire, my daughter was maybe, maybe four years old. Um, maybe I think three and Matthew would have been about one years old. And so, um, I decided that the best way that I could, um, give, you know, sort of, um, emphasize to my children, how we create light was to go out and do good things in the world, because no matter what kind of day you have or what the weather is or what goes wrong, if you spend your entire day trying to make other people smile or do good things, you're invariably going to feel really good. And that was kind of the, the idea I was trying to give to my three-year-old daughter, right? And so um, when it very first started, we kind of went out and my son went to daycare that day because he was a little too young to participate. And 
Claire and I went out and we tried to accomplish the same number of acts of kindness in a single day uh, for years that I had been born because it was on my birthday we were doing this. So I think the very first one was uh, maybe it was like 35. And so we had to complete 35 different acts of kindness in a single day. Um, and then we kind of documented the experience and that allowed me to come back and create this little digital book that I shared with some of our family members to show them all about this adventure. And I started to see the way that it impacted Claire, even at such a young age, we would be at the grocery store two weeks later and she would like walk away from the cart and I would think she was being, you know, misbehaving. And I'd turn around and she was over, you know, down the aisle, she'd picked up a piece of trash and brought it to me and said, acts of kindness, mama. And she wanted to throw it out. And, you know, the way that she would smile at people when we saw them and make eye contact was so few people do in our world now. And I just began to realize like what a huge impact this was having on her. So not only did it allow us to have this really positive day, guaranteed positive day, no matter what went wrong, but then it, it continued to shine through her throughout the year. So it became this annual tradition. Now, you know, my children are eight and 10 and obviously the acts have gotten bigger and we ultimately expanded it instead of just having a single day. Uh, it's now for the entire month of December and we try to promote it on social media so that other people get involved and other individuals that are parents and non-parents and family members, friends, people that don't even know me tend to kind of go out there and, and start coming up with their own, whether they just do a single act for the whole month or they participate every day like we do. At the children's school, we send them to school and I provide to the principal and their teachers like a calendar of examples of things that kids can do without any money, without any resources, most of the time without even their parents participating so that the kids have ideas of things that they can do every single day that are inside of their control to really bring light into the world. And um, it's just become an incredible experience to be a part of. And again, to see my children continue to carry that on. They will at the at moments when I least expect it throughout the year, they will say something or want to do something. Um, and I know that it's a direct result of that day. So my son, uh, two weeks ago when we had the bad storm come through, we're outside shoveling and he says, mama, let's go next door. And he wanted to go shovel the walk next door because that's what you do to be kind to other people. And, and I believe that that is a direct result of them kind of participating in these acts of kindness. And it's, it's just become a really cool way to celebrate the holiday season. And again, selfishly, it's my birthday around that time of year. So it's just been an incredible way to kind of um, see that day in my life impact a lot of other people and many people that I don't even know or get to, to hear their story or impacted by things that uh, individuals who see my children and, and encounter their calendar uh, potentially do. So That's incredible. And maybe you'll get kinder gifts for your birthday at that time as well. <laughs> I, will, I will say this. There is nothing, uh, and this was the biggest, um, I'm getting emotional thinking about it, like the biggest impact to me that first year was you cannot have a better gift than watching your child make a, a, another human being's day. And to you know, and now the kids are getting a bit older, but certainly when they were nice and young, one of our activities is we go to uh, you know, we go to the hospital and they pass out flowers to people that are in um, inpatient care, and seeing these individuals who are just kind of stuck in this hospital room all day just glow because this small child came in and smiled at them and handed them a flower. And to hear the stories of how they miss their grandchildren, who they haven't seen. And, I mean, all these things is just to see your children give that to the world is, I mean, by far the greatest gift you could possibly. I mean, there's no, there's not a single birthday gift someone could give me that's better than just giving my kid an idea of something kind they can do for someone else. Because getting to witness that is just a really extraordinary experience. Oh, it's 
Absolutely. And, and I got to imagine uh, just letting the kids know how proud you are in those moments too, that they just thought it, of it on their own and they did it. Um, I recall when I was a mailman down in Florida, uh, one day I was walking in, there was these kids coming home from school and they just started like riding their bikes alongside me. We were talking to me, asking how I was doing. And I was like, okay, and these are like real nice kids. And a few days later, their family was having a, um, a yard sale and the parents were sitting outside in the front yard. And so I stopped and told the parents like, Hey, so I want to let you know, you guys got some like really amazing kids. They were being so friendly and nice and talkative. Like I'm not used to, you know, young elementary school kids like talking to me. And I remember like being a, a yard or two down and looking back and seeing the parents talking to the kids and like pointing at me and then just giving a big hug to the kids. And my God, that was just incredible experience for me to see, you know, as, as well as receive the kindness of those kids. So. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just cool to see that the impact that it has on other people and how they perceive it and, and the stories they start to share around it. It's, it's really cool. And, and again, I think it's, you know, all of us, right. Are just striving to create a stronger world or, I mean, a stronger, kinder world. And I think that that begins right there in your own house and how you teach your kids to act every day. You know, there's, um, we have a lot of barriers up against us going on in the world right now. So doing what we can to show them how easy and simple and inexpensive it is to go out there and just do something good for someone else, I think is a really important value. So. Absolutely. And teaching them that sharing doesn't just relate to social media, Facebook and Instagram. Yes. And stuff. <laughs> Precisely. <clears throat> All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on today. I know we have a lot of exciting things coming up with Professional Courage, including some speaking dates. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about you and your company? Um, best things for folks to do is you can check out my website at professionalcourage.com. And for individuals who are interested in getting ongoing career management content or resources or information about speaking gigs and things of that sort, LinkedIn is definitely the place to reach me. So my LinkedIn address is very similar. That's at linkedin.com slash in slash professional courage, or you can simply search on my first and last name. But connecting, you know, send me a customized invitation. Let me know that you heard me here on the podcast and that you'd like to follow along. And there's all kinds of great resources that I'm always spreading around articles, comments, tips, videos, um, again, speaking announcements, and then a lot of free resources that I share there on my LinkedIn platform. So happy to connect with anyone who may be a listener. Absolutely. Uh, there you have it. Give her a follow for great advice, positive encouragement, and definitely contact her for more help. And she does, I can speak from experience, give lots of free advice and tips, very useful and helpful. Uh, Chris, thank you again so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. Wishing you all the best on those speaking dates coming up and uh, the changes you're making to your website and all the exciting things you have going on. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Right. And for the rest of you, just again, as you heard here, speaking from Chris, my experience, you just got to keep continuing to take the steps forward, know where you want to go. If you think you need help figuring it out, you know, you can contact me, the greatness facilitator. In the meantime, keep moving forward and step up to greatness. I'm